0: Let's read uh, verses 15 through 27 of First Corinthians chapter 9 and ask the Lord to teach us, beginning in verse 15. But I have used none of these things, and I am not writing these things, so it will be done so in my case, for it would be better for me to die than have any man make my boast an empty one. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion, For woe is to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, that I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, so that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as those under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I may win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without the law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I may win those who are without the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may, by all means, save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control. In all things. But then do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we an imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way. As not without aim. I box in such a way. As not beating the air. But I discipline my body. And make it my slave. So that after I have preached to others. I myself. Will not be disqualified. Father, we ask now that you would teach us. Father, teach me. Open my heart that I may hear. Father, may we bow before your word. May we cherish it. May we cherish the time together. And Father, may there be an overwhelming gratitude for the saints, for the bride of Christ. And Father, may we see this. See where we are short, Father, and strengthen us. Father, see where we are in strength and give you thanks. And, Father, may in all things we seek your kingdom, your righteousness. To you, my Lord, in Christ's name, amen. We're looking at a a text, this is actually the fifth message, on the limits of Christian freedom, the priorities. The principle of Christian freedom was stated in chapter 8. And then he went through and he illustrated it in his own life in chapter 9, the first part of chapter 9. And now he moves into uh, verses 15 through 27, and he delineates two focuses here. Okay, the priorities of my Christian freedom first and foremost are to the gospel. Okay, secondly, it would be to the lost. And I want to make sure that we understand this. But, but I want us to understand what he's getting at right here. Because he starts in verse 15. I have used none of these. And what he's speaking of is his freedom. He had a freedom to earn a living by the proclamation of the gospel. But Paul took that freedom and set it aside to so that no man or no woman, no matter where he would, was, would say that he is preaching a message solely for the financial side of it, as a vocation. Now I look at it and I see what he dealt with in his life because of his proclamation of the gospel. And I think, gee, whatever they paid him would never have been enough. I mean, to be stoned and left for dead and beaten with rods and arrested time and time again, put in stocks and chained to a Roman soldiers, to be bitten by a viper and shipwrecked and a few other odds and ends that he classifies as light afflictions. But he did it for the gospel. Why? Well, two reasons. And we looked at that. One is a compulsion. He was compelled to preach the gospel. He says, I don't have an option here. Verse 16. I have nothing to boast of for I'm under compulsion. And literally it means cursed is me if I don't preach it. And then we looked at Jeremiah. And Jeremiah said that I tried that for a little bit to to quit to keep my mouth shut because I don't want to do this and he says the torment of the word of god in my bones was worse than anything that a person could do to me so jeremiah pressed on that's the same heart that you see in the apostle paul that should be the same heart that is in the church We should be under compulsion to preach the gospel, to live lives that bring glory to the King of kings and Lord of lords. But he also said that I have a reward. And this was something that he was adding to his ministry. This was something that by the sacrifice of his freedom, okay, not being paid for the gospel, he had literally a reward in it that he could boast in this. This is something I'm doing in my gospel. This is something I'm doing in my ministry. What was that? I don't charge money for it. Okay. And yet, biblically, we've seen it, we looked at this in depth, that it is right to pay those who labor in the word. All right? But he says, I didn't do it for the money. All right? Then it brought us into the lost 19 through 27. All right? So he shows a purpose here, is the way I sort of look at this. And he says that I, I do this because I want to reach three categories of people. I want to talk to three categories of people. All right, why? I am willing to forfeit my rights as a Christian. How, Paul? He says, I know that I am free of all men. And that's literally what it means. The system of all men, I am free from. The priorities of all men, I am free from. The attitude and actions of all men, I am free from. Okay, The religiosity that man likes to push out front, he says, I am free from all of that. He says, but I have made myself a slave to all. Why? That I may win more. Now, it literally means uh, to profit more. Okay, And I'll show you how this plays out. All right? But we looked at this last week. He says, to the Jews, I became as a Jew so that I may win The Jews, to those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, verse 20, that I may win those who are under the law. That today, for you and I, would be the religious people. Did you know that there's actually people who attend church with a fervor who are not saved? Did you know that? Okay. Those would be the people who were under the law. Contextually, what he's speaking of, the Jews, how much of the Bible did the Jews have? All of it. Why? New Testament wasn't written. Paul was in the process. He was writing fervor. (laughs) Okay? Every time he'd get arrested, he'd write letters. All right? So, but do you see what I'm saying? We need to pay attention to this. He says, that to those who are under a system, I will bow to that system. So it may gain audience to you. If you had a Jewish friend, I I I give you this illustration. If you had a Jewish friend and you were bearing witness to them of the changed life in Jesus Christ and you invited them out for lunch or something like that, you wouldn't buy them a ham sandwich now, would you? Okay. I was in Israel back in March and I adhered to all the dietary laws. Why? I didn't have an option. That's all they served. (laughs) I'd like to tell you I was a great servant. I'd give anything for a real cheeseburger. (laughs) All right. But it's stuff like that that we really have to pay attention to. Okay? I'm not going to do something. There are people out there today who will quote-unquote say, this is what I perceive a Christian to be. Okay? Now, I want to keep you in mind here. I'm not talking about the moral law. I'm talking about the ceremonial law. Okay? A lot of us, we have things that I classify as the gray areas in Christendom. The word of the Lord doesn't speak specifically on it. All right? And there are people who will bring burdens, bondage upon other people because they believe that this is right or this is wrong. Uh, I run into some... um, They're called the Orthodox in Israel. Okay? The Orthodox Jews in Israel are not like the Orthodox Jews in America. Orthodox Jews in America are classified as liberal. Okay, they, will, uh, they have lady rabbis. Okay, now, I run into Orthodox Jews in Israel, um, and it was a strain for them because I was a Gentile and they were having to talk to me. But they do not recognize at all the government of Israel. Okay? The, the money that, is tra- the, that the government of Israel produces over there is called the shekel. All right? They will trade nothing in the shekel. Okay, because that gives credence to the government and they do not believe that the government that is over Israel right now is God-based. All right? And so everything they do, they do, they'll deal in the dollar. They'll deal in anything, but they will not deal in the government of Israel's money. Why? They believe that the government of Israel should be a theocracy run by God and then the priesthood. All right? And that's where they're at. All right. Uh, I had a conversation with one of these men on the Messiah. Okay? Why Jesus couldn't be the Messiah. We sat and conversed. Why Jesus couldn't be Messiah. And then I asked him to teach me. What are you expecting from Messiah? Okay? And that's part of how that conversation came about. And, and what, they, what he, he did as, as a Jew. All right. I was not there to share the gospel with him. If the door would have been open, I would have shared the gospel. But I was not there. I wanted to know the mentality. All right? So I didn't push any issues. And he knew what I did for a living. He knew where I was from. He knew what I did for a living. Okay? And, and when he left, he was very surprised that I didn't tell him that he was going to hell for murdering Messiah and all the rest of it. So, all right? That's part of it. I just left my freedom alone. It wasn't compromise. All right, I just left the freedom alone. Why? That I may win those who are under the law. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever run into people who are quote unquote Christians? And they are so Christians you hate being around them? Huh? And you pray that whatever they have isn't contagious? Huh? you ever, you ever run into those? Okay. they um, Linsky, the Lucerne pastor, I read his commentary on it. He called them scrupulous Christians. (laughs) Okay. You guys know what I'm talking about. I, you can go into any given church this day and you know that there's a good possibility even in this room right now. Some of you may have the most orthodox conservative evangelical theology that ever existed on the planet earth and yet not be saved. Do you know that? Jesus said that his church would be made up of the people, the wheat and the tares. And you know what is really cool about it? He says it's not my responsibility nor any other Christian's responsibility to try to separate the two. Alright, we've got to get a hold of this kind of stuff. I really hope that we understand this. Alright, so he's talking about, here in this text, religious people who have rituals and ceremonies... Okay, And they believe that they literally, if I do the set of, the, uh, of all the dues, then God will allow me into heaven. Right? I've told people this before and I'll repeat it. There are two religions in the world today. Please understand that. There are only two. One, I can do enough to make God happy and allow me in. Two, I'll never do anything to make him happy and I have been saved by grace through faith. That's it. Whether it's Islam, Mormonism, uh, even Southern Baptists. No. Um, people have works in their mentality. Okay, That's the way we were designed. We were designed to work, but everybody believes that they can work their way into the pearly gates. You can't do it. Alright? So, if you look at this text, you'll see that there are some... who are Jews. You see, some who are with the law. Those would be probably proselytes. okay, Gentiles who have come into Judaism. And the Apostle Paul is showing you and I, we who are saved this day, we who have reached a period, a place, that I understand what my freedom in Christ is, that for me to reach this, to get an ear to this, is I have to deny myself. I have to deny my freedoms. Why? So that I can get a hearing. And I shared with you that the Apostle Paul found this young man, Timothy, who was uh, of a Jew mother and a Gentile father. And he wanted Timothy to become uh, a disciple, a follower, to, to learn and to, to take up the mantle of Paul after Paul was done. And um, uh, he had him circumcised. Right, Paul. Now let me tell you something. Paul understood that circumcision does nothing, but he had him circumcised because first and foremost, Paul or Timothy would be classified as a half-breed, a Samaritan, to the Jews. That was worse than a Gentile. Okay, his mother would have been classified as a traitor, but they would have seen a young man who was willing to be circumcised, and they would have understood that this man was willing to step into Judaism to follow it but Paul understood that if he was going to minister to the Jewish people that he was going to have to have his people around him willing to submit at certain times to the rituals and ceremonies right the apostle Paul says that in my self-denial I understood this he makes this statement to those who are without the law as without the law who is that? He understood that I need to to lower myself down. What? I needed to be at certain places. Paul was with the Gentiles. He would fall into the Gentile pattern. When Paul was with the Jews, he would be in the Jewish pattern. I do want you to hear me well. He never compromised the gospel. Alright? When it came to the salvation message, you've got to understand that. Alright, if you look at two letters in the New Testament, one, the book of Romans, phenomenal letter, isn't it? I mean, it is literally a letter that could stand outside of Scripture all by itself. All right? And if you look at it, you see the patience and the mercy of, of Paul beginning and he deals with each system logically and just right on down the line. Here's, here's sin and here is justification, here's sanctification, here's glorification. A light of this is how we should be. And you just read it and you think, that's cool. But if you look at the book of Galatians, it's the same letter except he is really mad. Okay? Why? Because they knew this. The Galatian area churches were founded by him. He had not been to Rome. He had been to Galatia, and he says, "What you have begun in the spirit, you now perfect perfected in the flesh." Okay, and that just drove him nuts. And he basically was watching a group of people go back to Judaistic plans. And I want to share that with you because he went when he went to. Jerusalem several times he would follow the Jewish customs okay but when he came to Antioch you know where Antioch is it's in the county of or an area of Galatia all right when he went there he he would eat with the Gentiles he would hang out with the Gentiles he would have a blast okay and one time that he was up there in that area here comes strolling in Peter now Peter was struggled with this remember God had to literally give Peter a vision And he he rolled out this great uh, carpet cloth of all the foods of the world. And he says, I have made them all. Just give thanks and eat, Peter. Get over it. And then he sent Peter to Joppa, which was a Gentile settlement. And Peter Peter did it. Peter ran into Paul up in the Galatia area. And they were eating with the Gentiles. And they were having a blast. Right? I mean, they were eating with the Gentiles and drinking with the Gentiles and, you know, doing with the Gentiles. But something happened. Okay? Some of them came up from Jerusalem. Okay? Them's showed up. And what happened to Peter? He withdrew From the Gentiles because of these Jewish leaders from Jerusalem. Okay? Paul says, I rebuked him to his face. Why? That is compromise. That is compromise. Why? You just put a stumbling block in front of these Jewish people, these Jewish friends, these Jewish brethren that you were ministering with. And two. Why? All of a sudden you have these Jews showed up and you do all of a sudden believe you're better than them? I moved away from the Gentiles so I'd hang out with the Jews. Nah, that would get you in trouble. And Paul, Paul confronted that. Okay? We need to pay attention to this because, you know, when I read that out of the book of Acts and out of Galatians... It's fascinating because I see Paul... I, it's a fascinating to me because it would seem that it would be easier for Paul or for Peter to adhere to Gentiles than it would be Paul. I mean, let's be realistic. Before his conversion, Paul gave the definition of legalist. I mean, if you looked up legalist in, in the Jewish dictionary before his Damascus road trip, you would see a picture of Paul, right? Right? Tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, a Pharisee, zealous for the law, da, da 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 down the line. And yet it seemed that Paul had fallen into the Gentile patterns and it didn't bother him nearly like it did Peter. And I wondered about that at times and, and, and I, I think I figured it out. And it's in Romans chapter 14. We've looked at this in depth through our Monday night study. But I'll just basically touch this because the Apostle Paul understood this. The Apostle Paul understood that salvation came by faith. All right? I have to have faith. God has given me this grace I must believe. All right? He understood that. And it wasn't anything that he could ever do to attain that. He makes this statement in Romans 14, except the one who is weak in faith. You got that? You heard what he just said? The Apostle Paul says, you know what? There are those in the body of Christ who are weak in faith. All right? I want you to note something there because that's where I'm moving into that next group. There are those... Whose faith, they may have sound doctrine, they may have been under uh, a lot of good Bible studies, and they may have a lot of theology, but they're about six inches short. Actually, about a foot short. A foot short? What are you talking about? It's here. It ain't here. Alright? The knowledge is there, but the knowledge has never been Tested. It's never been tested. How do you get your faith tested? bible owing is one way. I'd give anything and I'm still looking. I'm going to keep looking. There's got to be another way. But the only way that I know my faith grows is through tribulation. All right. Now I'm going to find the other one. I'm going to keep looking until I find one. But right now the only way I found for my great my faith to grow is how? Through tribulation. God gives me information. God gives us supernatural empowered people to give us supernatural empowered information so that God will allow us the energy, the strength and the abilities to overcome supernatural trouble. Okay, I've seen people try to get over supernatural trouble with their own strength. But that's not what our God is about. All right, he brings it in. He says, here's my proverbial dump truck. Are you ready? Okay, look what he says here. There are those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose. Now, accept him. Why? He says, accept him. He says, not for the purpose of passing judgment on what? On their What? On their opinions. You know what's cool about this? I look at this group that's here today, and I've got everything from old Jacob over there, uh, who wake up, Jake, um, to uh, you know Justin, Al, Mary, and all the rest of it. You know what? What's so cool about this whole group of people? Every single one of you in this room has your opinion, okay? And I guarantee, in most cases, you've got your opinion about just about anything, don't you? Okay. And it says here that I'm supposed to accept you and your opinion. Okay? I seen a t-shirt when I was down in (laughs) Durango last year with the uh, youth. Um, And my wife would be so proud of me. My wife always fears when I I go out and I'm alone uh, because there are things that I like to put my hands on and make mine that uh, tend to be offensive at times. Okay, and I so, but I sometimes I, I think t shirts, the sayings on t shirts say more than I could ever say. But I found this one, <laughs> and it says, uh, I see your point. I still think you're an idiot. <laughs> and I came about that close to buying it, and I said, you know, my wife will never let me wear this. Uh, so, uh,. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's trying. But, but 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 you know, when it comes to opinions, right? Don't we all have opinions? Okay, ask Matt about Michigan's Wolverines, and he'll have his opinion, and then come talk to me, and I'll give you truth, <laughs> okay? But the uh, <laughs> truth is the score. But the, do you see what I'm trying to get at here? He says, I want you to understand something. There are those who are weak. I want you to accept them, and I don't want you to accept them so you can pass judgment on their opinions. Okay, one person has faith that he may eat all things. Amen, love that guy. But he who is weak eats vegetables only. I'm not sure about them people. But you know what, I'm going to accept them. If you want to sit around and eat the same food, rabbits do, knock yourself out. I, I don't have a big problem with that. All right, now there, you just see my opinion. But do you see what I'm talking about? Okay. And, and and we we need to grab this we need to understand this. I want you to drop down there Romans fourteen verse seven for not one of us lives for you get that that's a big picture there you need to understand that why he just come out of twelve okay Romans chapter twelve we all know how that starts right? I beseech you, I beg you, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to do what? Present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pure. Alright? This is your act of worship. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be pressed into the world's mold, but be transformed. How? Take your mind and renew that bugger. Put new information in that thing. Why? So you can love without hypocrisy. So you can love without a mask. So the love that you show doesn't have this, well, I wonder if they really mean it thing behind it. Alright? Then it says what? You are to devote yourselves to one another. Why? Look at verse 7 of 14. Why? Not one of you live for yourself. And not one dies for himself. Move that on over, and you'll see it in verse eight. "For if we live, we live for For who? Okay, now listen, I want you to think about what I'm dealing with. Is this your self-denial? Do the life I live, who is that for? Do we understand that? Have you ever had uh, um, uh, stress in your job? Have you ever had stress uh, with uh, personal relationships or impersonal relationships or or, or stuff like that? Do you ever thought about those things? you know why you have stress in your life? Who are you living for? Who are you living for? If you have stress in a situation, you know what you're just saying? I'm doing it in my strength. If I'm doing it for the Lord, guess what? I can't mess this up. It's impossible. I I went to the Ulford Memorial back in uh, September. And uh, I had to... (laughs) I'm not sure. ain't no wonder airlines are losing money. But anyway, I had to fly from Denver to Atlanta to Memphis all right and that was when every hurricane that had ever been created decided to cruise through Florida okay and they were all and they were all glancing out of Atlanta anyway we were in Atlanta getting ready on get our plane and it was all black and raining and lightning and flashing and all the rest of it and we were getting ready to get on this not the world's biggest airplane okay and you're just sitting about it and this and this, <laughs> this lady was she you could tell Oh, I found out she'd never flown before and I'm thinking, well, you're up for now, aren't you? And she sat there and she says, this has got me scared. And I said, why is that? She says, well, what? I said, there ain't nothing going to happen. Why? I said, I have an appointment. The Lord is predestined and I have to be there. And I have to be in Memphis for the memorial of my mentor. And I know my Lord will not, make, not let, have me miss that. And she just looked at me like, oh, God, I'm sitting next to an idiot. <laughs> no. <laughs> But I knew that where I was going and what I was doing was all preordained, pre-planned, pre-packaged. It was a plan that my God had, and you know what? I couldn't mess it up. There wasn't no hurricane going to mess it up. But see, if your faith is in what, if you're in yourself, then you're in trouble. My faith is in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I allowed my daughter to spend a semester studying in the lands of God in Jerusalem, just outside of Jerusalem. And I had people saying, are you nuts? And I said, why? You're letting your daughter over there with bombers and all kind of weirdo and all that? And I said, yeah, amen. You know what? I am convinced that God is still in Israel. Okay, now he's not in Eugene, Oregon, but he is in Israel. (laughs) <laughs> okay well I got we got some friends that went to Eugene Oregon and he called me and he says this is terrible up here I said why is that he says God's just not here <laughs> I, said, I said yeah I'd say that's terrible because the only place I know he's not is hell <laughs> and, and I'm thinking you might want to run uh, but uh, but do you understand that why those who are weak in the faith struggle here look what he says here for whether we eat whether we live or die We are what? What's it say? We're the Lord's. Therefore, let us quit judging one another, he says in verse 13. Verse 16, he says, Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. Okay, now do you understand why he rebuked Peter? Very simple. Why? Why? He was partaking of what the Gentiles done when the Jew, Judaizers showed up. They got offended by it and he pulled away from the Gentiles. And guess what? It could be spoken of as that Paul or that Peter would be a hypocrite. Okay? You ready? You understand that? I am for the Lord. The Lord is, is for me. All right? He is going to grow my faith. Was Peter liberated as Paul? Absolutely. Did Peter know it? Peter had a a, a vision. He knew it. And yet the Apostle Paul understood that there are times when I have to set aside some things. When I shouldn't eat meat offered to idols. I shouldn't drink. He he dealt with that the rest of Romans 14. I, I want to get back to our text. Okay. So do we understand that? Alright? So when Paul was in a Gentile region, which he was the apostle to the... which meant probably most of his time he was where? But when he went into a Gentile city, what was the first place he went to? Synagogue. Synagogue the collection of the Jews. Okay? But he talks about another group here. And I want us to look at that one in verse 22. To the weak, I became weak. What would the weak be? Romans 14, 1. Those who are weak in the faith. Okay, when you think about the word faith, we, we get mystical or something. We, oh, I just have the faith. I need to positively confess and all the rest of it. No, that is partly there. But I want you to understand this. When you think about your faith, ask yourself a question. How much do I trust God? It's a simple question. How much do I trust Him? Okay. I really want you to think about this because this church, or those of you who have been with us for a time, has got some decency at theology. We've been exposed to a lot of God's word and we've been exposed at a depth of God's word. Okay. Let me explain something to you that has nothing to do with your faith, but your faith isn't a blind faith. My faith is based on the things that I know of God. Okay. So some of you know a lot about God from his word truths. I call it God's opinion. Okay. So we know these things. If I stay consistent with my Pauline theology, these that he would be speaking of in verse 22, to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. Now he's transferred, he's, he's talked about the religious lost, he's talked about the pagan lost, now who is he talking about? These are the people who for whatever reason... They're not, they're saved, but they're not standing in the strength that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. I I shared you uh, Linsky's note. These are the scrupulous Christians. Okay? Charles Spurgeon called them the overzealous Christians. Christians. Okay? They may have a good basic theology. They may be a student of the scriptures. They may have been exposed to a lot of God's truth. They may even be graduated from seminary. But what has happened is they don't understand their freedom. Their freedom in Christ. How many of us today go hear a message? Alright? Or maybe study the Bible. Okay, maybe I'm in a Bible study or maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm in a Bible college or maybe I study on my own or I'm in several Bible studies or all the rest of it. And I'm taking the information in so that I can go do it. How many of us do that? Okay. I will give you this very simple statement. What you began in the spirit, you will now perfect in the flesh do you really believe that you can look at the holy word of God find all the do's and don'ts and go do them really then why did Jesus need to die for you because all you needed was the information see the difference why is that faith no that's works he has given us works that he preordained why because we were created his image we are his workmanship not your workmanship his workmanship do you understand that do we grasp that I see Christians who will grab a hold of a whole bunch of information and just make life miserable for everybody around them. I've seen it over and over and it doesn't matter the doctrine. It can be the doctrine of grace and they can beat that thing ragged. It can be the doctrine of predestination and they will beat that ragged. And not only that, they love beating other people ragged with it. Do you not understand that God has different people at different places in their walk because they're not ready to grow? They're not ready for the faith test to walk in that? And yet we who think we are spiritual, what do we do? Let me put you in a spiritual headlock and I'll get this down there and you'll walk like a mighty man of God. No, you won't. No, you won't. You'll be a stumbling block you will actually impede that person's growth. Why? To the weak, I become weak. What does that mean? He says, I'll throw all of my freedoms away to hook up with a legalist. Why? So that they can walk with me and see what freedom in Christ really is. I get people, people ask me in, in just different conversations, things that happen in my life and my walk. And, and and I've had people who've come against me. I've had people, um, yeah, it's just been kind of a bizarre life anyway but you have these things that happen and one of my one things is the ones that i pay attention to are those who will not walk with me okay why they will have a tendency to be scrupulous zealous all right and there's things that i will do that they'll say well he i don't know what he can even do that but you know what is amazing about those people they never really walked with me they never walked with me okay i think about the instance uh some things people, uh, if you talk to my wife, my wife has the gifts of exhortation and mercy and it's just completely, uh, um, immersed, encapsulated in grace. It's just really, it makes me sick sometimes. Um, I don't have any of those and it's not encapsulated, but, but I remember people talking to, and, and I hate to use you as an illustration. So go like this and you won't hear it. But, um, um, people have talked about, they talk to my wife, they'll say, how are you doing? And she'll say, just perfect and great and all of it. And they all get kind of spooked out about it. And they think, well, I think she's a hypocrite. Really, do you know what my wife had her sister murdered? Okay, did you know that my wife's uh, husband, first husband, died of cancer at 33 years of age? <laughs> you know, my wife had to marry me. <laughs> talk about tribulation. Okay. <laughs> My wife has a faith that has been through the refiner's fire. So if you ask her, how are you doing? And she says, man, I'm just doing great. You know what? She's only just doing great. But see, if you don't know her, if you're standing out there on the edge, you think uh, she's some kind of Pollyanna. She hasn't even stepped her both feet into reality yet truth of the matter is, I wouldn't want to have to carry half the burdens that she's been through. Why? She has a strong faith sometimes. When she's driving back uh, up I-25 in a snowstorm out of Albuquerque, and her <laughs> husband's rocking out to some Janis Joplin, she doesn't have as much faith anymore. She kind of says, Are you paying attention? Well, sure! <laughs> Ain't you? <laughs> And her, I forgot her windshield wiper was all iced up, so she couldn't even see out the window. I could see right here, but I have a very strong faith. <laughs> I've been through New Mexico. You can't hit nothing out here. <laughs> but anyway, so but I, I want us to hear these kind of things because if, if, it, if I'm not willing to go to a state of self-denial, this is my freedom, how will you ever help anybody? You won't. People who have the mindset of the weak believe that they can actually arrive. Here's one of the bad things about weak in the faith. They tend to believe they're strong. Which is an obstacle that you can only do. I'll take you back to that word. He says, I have become a slave to all. It's the same word that he uses in the seventh chapter to speak of the bond of marriage. I have come up against that person in such a way that I'm so involved and I'm rubbing up against them that I can possibly influence them. Why? I'd like to get you out of your weakness and get you to strength. And I'd like to get you out of legalism and get you into the freedom that you have in Christ. But I can't do it unless I'm hooked up with him. There are those who would come up and they would come out of a Jewish community. Um, maybe they want to keep the Sabbath. Maybe they came out of a Baptist mentality and then you've got to do this. The Lord's table has to be at this time and do it this way. And, you know, I want hymns. I want choruses. I want la, 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 la. Listen to it. It ain't changed. You know, there would be those who would come out of Judaism who still would want to go to the temple. And in some of the descriptions that I've heard about the temple, I'd want to go there too. That sounds like an amazing place. Of course, I'd get in all kinds of trouble. All right. There may be that connection to a rabbi, a certain uh, rabbinical teacher. Maybe there were certain customs and festivals and rituals in the home that they rejoiced in partaking in. Maybe they never really understood the symbolicness of the way they were to prepare food or their cooking or their methods of cooking and things like that. Maybe they came out of um, the Gentiles thing. Uh, they were saved out of idolatry. All right, and they want nothing to do with meat offered to idols. They want nothing to do with the pagan activities, the pagan rituals and festivals. All the holidays would have been to a pagan deity. But see, if I don't have the ability as my freedom in Christ to set aside my freedom, all right, so that I can come and be in a relationship with you, then how can I influence you who are weak? That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, I am willing, I am free of all of this silliness, but I am willing to forfeit that freedom. So that I may influence other people. Why? I'm more concerned about the gospel. I'm more concerned about the lost. How are you going to overcome a scrupulous Christian? How are you going to overcome those in legalism? How are you going to overcome those who um, uh, are, are scared to death of idolatry? Who are scared to death uh, of anything. Maybe they come out of a sexual abuse situation. You know, Tom was talking about these kids. You know, they come out of this situation, and yet I have the ability to give a holy kiss. I have the ability to hug. I have the ability to show the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can literally pour my love on another person, unrestrained, unrestrained. And yet, you know what? Sometimes that freaks people out. That freaks people out. Why? Oh my God! Okay? Who's got the problem? Who's got the problem? Well, if they're weak in the faith and you walk up with the proverbial God load of love and you dump it all over them, they're going to drown. They're not going to understand it. They're not going to understand it. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? It's all around us, brothers and sisters. It's killing us. And yet... Too many times I'm not willing to back away, forfeit that until I grow you to the place. till God grows you, I mean, to that place. Let me walk you by the hand that you may come to that place. Paul's saying, I adapt myself to them. If they've got a hang up, I'm going to get right in there and say, if that bothers you, I won't do it. Okay, I will do whatever to open my life that I may gain entrance into your life. Okay, okay, Paul was sensitive to people. He, you know, he those who are easily offended. He said, you know why? I have a purpose that I want to gain the weak. The word gain there literally means, uh, it's a commercial word in, in, in business, if you have a degree in business, and it means to make a profit. And he says, I'm willing to become a slave to the religious people who are not saved. I am willing to become a slave to the irreligious To win them to Christ. I am willing to come a slave to those who are legalistic in their doctrine and don't understand the freedom in Christ. All three groups, Paul says, I am willing to be enslaved to those people that I can make a profit. That I can make a profit. I like that. I I just like that. He says, I want to win more to Christ. I want to strengthen those who are in Christ. I want more coming into the kingdom, and those who are in the kingdom, I want them to stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I want them to stand in the freedom. I am here to set you free, he said. 22, he summarizes. To the weak I became weak, I might win the weak. I become all things to all men. See, he got all men, didn't he? Why? That I mean save some. The word save there is a derivative sortios that you get salvation from. But it literally means rescue. He's not talking about saving people. Paul understood. Paul's doctrine was solid enough that he knew he couldn't save anybody. But he's saying, I want to rescue some people. Why? And I'm going to do it starting out how? I'm going to deny myself. Why? So I can influence three groups of people that exist on the planet Earth. Religious lost, irreligious lost, and the, those who are saved who are very, f- what I call fragile. Try to call fragile. Sometimes I'd like to go break a few bowls, but um, my wife won't let me. All right. So he says, I want to understand who it is. Uh, let me give you an illustration of this. Um, In Acts chapter 21, the Apostle Paul was going back to Jerusalem. When he he arrived in Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the following day, this is Luke writing, the following day Paul went in with us to James and the elders were present. All right, so he goes to the church of Jerusalem. Okay, after they were greeted with... After he had greeted them, he began to relate by, uh, one by one all the things God was doing among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when he had heard this, he began to glorify God and said to them, See, brothers, how many thousands were among the Jews of those who believed and were zealous for the law? And he goes on and he says, And, we told, <clears throat> and they have been told about you and that you are teaching all Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses. Okay, a rumor had come out. Anybody ever had a rumor about them? Huh? I'm getting my five years worth here in the last couple of months. There are people saying things about them. Okay? A lady in our church run into a lady who sort of frequents this assembly and said that uh, wanted her to go to church with it. She said, where are you going? I'm going to another church. Why? I says, well, I heard Castle Rock closed. Uh. Key still works. But uh, it's stuff like that that we've got to really pay attention to. Why? Why were they saying this? Well, they were confused. Jews were into the ceremonial law. Paul wasn't. Nor was Paul even telling Gentile converts to partake of the ceremonial law. Remember what James said when he sent a letter to Antioch, the church in Antioch of the Gentiles? Just don't need the stuff strangled. Okay. Don't eat meat offered to idols. Why? Don't offend the Jews. Why? We're still trying to reach the knuckleheads. That's not what James said. That's a paraphrase. Okay. Do you understand that? Don't do anything. It's hard enough to tell a Jew that they had already killed their Messiah without walking up to them and saying, Oh yeah, by, all the, by the way, all the rest of this stuff is silly too. Okay, yeah, you're going to win a whole bunch of them that way. And James was smart enough to say, listen, I grew up with Jesus and didn't see he was Messiah until near his death. Okay, he is my half brother. All right. And so James understood what was going on. He says, you know what? They've told us about you and that you are teaching all the Jews among the Gentiles forsake it. All right what then is to be done? If there's this big rumor about me and I'm telling people that I, to forsake Moses, what is to be done? Because they're going to hear, he says there in verse 22, that you've come. And they're going to be ticked off about it. Alright? Here's what he said to do. Therefore do this, <coughs> that we tell you, have four men who are under a vow. All right, now, basically what James says, and I'll I'll just explain this to you. You can read it yourself. There's four guys in the church in Jerusalem who have taken a Nazarite vow. Numbers chapter 6. You know three guys who took Nazarite vows. You know Samson? Everybody knows? Some of you know? Okay, some of you know Samson. Samuel had a Nazarite vow, and John the Baptist had a Nazarite vow. And and number six lists all this stuff. Now, a Nazarite vow is as long as you want it to be. Okay? But the temple, to take a Nazarite vow, you went up to the temple and you said, I was going to take a pledge. All right, I'm going to take a Nazarite vow. I'm not going to touch dead animals. I'm not going to eat this certain food. I'm going to dress a certain way. I'm not going to cut my hair. I'm not going to drink wine, and I'm not going to do this. When the vow was done, you'd cut your hair, and you'd give it to the priest, and he'd burn it at the altar as an offering at the vow. And basically, a Nazarite vow was always stipulated. Grab a hold of this. It was always given on an overwhelming gratitude for something that God had done. Think about the three Nazarite vows. Samuel, who was, her mu- who was his mother? Hannah. Hannah. And she got up and was, wanted a child. And in gratitude to God, what? Presented Samuel, Nazarite vow. How about Samson? Dad freaked out. God said, I'm going to do something, man. We need to give our kid as a Nazarite vow or God's going to strike me dead. All right, no, he, he was scared. Right, that's, right. Make a note of that. If somebody said they saw God and they're not afraid, they didn't see God. Okay, John the Baptist Gratitude, right? All right, now you know, I know, and guess what? Paul knows. I just need to have a heart of gratitude. I don't have to go do a Nazarite vow. But he says to keep the conflict in Jerusalem down, what would you do, Paul? Take these four men and yourself and go to the temple. You pay for the four to have the vow. And that will show all the Jews that what? You've not forsaken the Mosaic law. All right. Now, Paul can look at James and say, yo, dude, I'm an apostle to the Gentiles. I know that my yes needs to be a yes and my no should be a no. And how can I stand before a holy God and say, I don't make a lot of money, and yet I took your hard-earned money, and I gave it to them crooked priests in that pagan temple that they think is yours. you ever had that argument? Well, God, I wouldn't be a good steward of the things you gave me if I go and do this. You know what the Apostle Paul did? He did it. He knew that the Nazarite vow did not add anything to his sanctification. It wasn't going to make him more holy. But he did it because he's to the Jews, he didn't want them to stumble, now did he? Why would I give my money to the crooks running the temple? I can tell you why. James, the head elder of the church in Jerusalem, asked him to. Somebody wrote the letter to the book of, uh, the letter to the Hebrews And in chapter 13, he says, do what to the elders who have oversight over your souls? Why? So it would be well with you and them. Okay? Paul says, I know I'm a free man. But he did the whole thing. Why? He set aside his rights to do whatever he needed to reach someone who would need to be strengthened. Let me tell you what, the Jews... And the church in Jerusalem were in a bad spot anyway. To have Paul come strolling in there wouldn't have helped any. And he knew that he needed to strengthen them. There's some weak Christians. They know the word. They're under good teaching. They would have been in the church in Jerusalem. That's a solid church there, let me tell you. Okay? Let me give you an illustration, a personal illustration of this of where I, I, I was wrong. I had an opportunity a few years ago to be involved with a group of young people who were looking at becoming military leaders in the future. Okay, And they were looking for a spiritual advisor. They, and you had to go through a curriculum to get through it. So I went through the, spir, the curriculum and all the rest of it. And it came down to, do you need, I need you, you know, we want you to be our spiritual advisor. We believe you work well with these young men. We believe that this is a good fit. We have one problem. It's okay. What's What's the problem? You gotta get rid of the beard I walked away from it okay as you can see why I wasn't willing why I thought that was silly But it was an opportunity to be in light of the gospel. I could have been there and I I refused it. And You know, this has been a number of years ago and I've grown since then. All right, Do we understand that some things that we are willing to forfeit are pre-evangelistic? We're setting the foundation for the gospel to grow. Some things that we do, the gospel is already there and all we're going to do is add water to it and grow it and nurture it and make that little bugger bloom. The end of verse 22, he says... So that I may, by the means, save whatever it takes to save more, right? I ain't compromising. I'm limiting my freedom. To meet someone on their own level, to set aside my freedom. Paul says, I have this option. I'll come down and meet them at the spiritual level, the spiritual condition that they are in. Similar to what he says, I want you to understand, 2 Corinthians 2.17, I won't go over to it, but he says, I do not peddle the word, I do not corrupt the word of God for profit. All right? I'm not selling a cheap gospel. Okay? It's like selling glass for diamonds, Why? people who will buy it because they don't know the difference. He says, I ain't doing that. Okay, uh, I'm not going to strip the gospel. Paul understood what compromise was. Paul says in Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, he says, am I a man pleaser? No, he's not a man pleaser. That's not what I'm talking about. There are things of the gospel that are offensive. The cross is offensive. The depravity of man is, is, uh, is offensive to people. Uh, the, the truth, the word of truth is offensive to people. Church discipline is offensive to people. But if a man is offended by some behavior, Paul says, I'm willing to do what is necessary. Because now it's become my problem. Verse 23, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. For the sake of the gospel, what does he do? All things. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever lived your life with the f- just for the sake of the gospel? All things I do for the sake of the gospel. My job is for the sake of the gospel. My way I drive and conduct myself in rush hour traffic is for the sake of the gospel. The way I treat my wife, the way I treat my husband is for the sake of the gospel. The way I treat my kids is for the sake of the gospel. The things that I'm willing to go buy or maybe not buy for the sake of the gospel... Why? The Apostle Paul said, there's only single one thing in existence that is important. It's the sake of the gospel. And he says, I have learned that it takes self-denial for the sake of the gospel. One thought, winning, winning souls, strengthening souls. Why? For the sake of the gospel. Why? I liked what he says here. So that I may become a fellow partaker of it. It literally means a co-sharer. Of it it literally means uh, I, I'm a, I am part of it, okay? His whole life is set with one intention, and he wants to be a co sharer He says, "I want you and me to be in the family together, and I'll do anything to see that happen. let's conclude that. And think about that right now. he understood the gospel. And he understood the three types of human beings that walked on the planet earth still today. What are you willing to do for the sake of the gospel? So that you may be a co-sharer of it. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, I am willing to become enslaved, bound to... Anyone, for the sake of the gospel. Yeah, I'll close with this little thought. I heard a message this week when I was down in Albuquerque. The Apostle Paul was thrown into prison numerous times for no apparent reason. And he always claimed that I was bound or chained for Christ. Okay, and the letters to the Philippians, you see this. Okay? And he talks about it. And this is his, his imprisonment. And he would have been chained, uh, wrist and leg, uh, every day, 24 hours a day, to a Roman soldier. Right? And he says, in my chains, I am here by the chains of the gospel. I am chained for the gospel. And he says, I know that my chains right now is for the furtherance of the gospel. Right? Now, he's in Rome at the writing of the Philippian letter. All right? Have you ever... He says that this is in chapter 1, chapter 2 of, of Philippians. All right? And you read that and he says, you know, he says, I'm chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day for the gospel. Okay? You know what's amazing about that statement? Have you ever looked at the conclusion of the letter? It would be the Praetorium Guard who he's chained to. Okay? Caesar's personal guard is who he's chained to. And (laughs) he concludes it. He says, all the saints of Rome and the house of Caesar send their greetings to you. He's chained to a Roman soldier for punishment. And he looked at it as a one-on-one church service. And you're stuck with me and I'm only going to preach for as long as you're chained to me. So when the Apostle Paul makes a statement to the Corinthians that I will become ensnared, I will become enslaved, I will become bound to another for the sake of the gospel. He lived it. He lived it. That even the household of Caesar would hear the gospel preach. Let me ask you a question. Has your household heard the gospel preached? Has your co workers heard the gospel preached? People that you interrelate in your neighborhood, have they heard the gospel preached? And if you say no, then ask yourself if you've ever gained the right to be heard. So that's what the apostle Paul says I will become a slave to those so that I gain the right to be heard let's pray father we come today with hearts of gratitude I thank you for my brother Paul and lord I just thank you for the amazing things that he's done that he's and is still doing lord father I praise you for this fellowship these wonderful souls and lord uh, what they mean to me uh, lord is uh still overwhelming to me. Lord, I just pray that even now we bow our knee before you and understand the priority of the gospel. But Father, we understand that the only way that that becomes a priority is through self-denial. Lord, help us. Help us to live crucified lives that it is only Christ lived through us. To your praise and your glory in Christ's name. Amen.